How's everybody's Wednesday been? Good? Good. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. He's wonderful. Woo. Everybody got that finished up. We'll pray over the offering. Father, I thank you for, for just uh, the opportunity, Lord, to give to you. Lord, that we can give back to you, and we even acknowledge that, that our jobs, our careers, are, are everything that you have given us, Father. It comes from you. We thank you, Lord, for, for the opportunities that you've given us, for the provision that you've given us, for everything that comes through our hand, Lord. We thank you, Father, that it is blessed. In fact, we declare everything that comes into our home is blessed. We declare everything that passes even through our fingers, even, even when you tell us, Father, that, that you know it, it's not for us, it needs to be released to someone else or something else. Lord, that we will obey in everything that we do, that we hear your voice very clearly, and that we don't allow ourselves to, to miss one blessing or one opportunity that you have to open up uh, uh, gates and doors into our life. So we thank Thank you, Father, for the supernatural, and we thank you, Lord, that, that we tap into that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Pastor Brad has been preaching on purpose, so we'll continue uh, with that tonight, that, that we're designed for a purpose. God didn't just create us for, uh, you know, just... You know, well, I'll throw throw a couple ears on there and a and a couple arms and and see how that turns out. He created each person for a purpose. He created each one of us in His image. So, guess where what book we're going to tonight? Genesis. So let's turn to uh, Genesis chapter one. And we're gonna we're gonna start it at twenty six. And it says, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing, every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the and to all the beasts of the earth and the, all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Now skip over to chapter 2, verse 15. And it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. To work it and to keep it. So... Even, even in the beginning, in the beginning of Scripture, Father, I pray over your word tonight that, that it comes forth clearly. Lord, and, and just as we already prayed, I thank you for revelation being birthed tonight. I thank you for, for vision being birthed tonight. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that you're the one that, that grows that. Even though uh, we, we may speak things out, you're the one that gives the increase to that word in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. So God gave... Uh, God gave Adam and Eve, a command here. But first it says, he created them in his likeness, in his likeness, in his image. So we are created in the image or in the likeness of God, which means we resemble him in his resemblance. We are to do what he did. And the very thing that he was doing in the beginning was doing what? creating. So you are a creative creation. 
You are a creative being. God wired us that way. That's many times why people uh, feel like they lack in their purpose or they haven't figured things out uh, for their life or they don't know, uh, you know, why do I feel this void? It's many times because they haven't yet uh, gotten into their purpose. And I can even say, even, even a general realm can, f- let me use an example so I don't confuse you. You could, you could be, for instance, a teacher. You could be like Abby. She's, she's a teacher. And but if Abby is applies for a job and she gets a job as a teacher, but, but God wants her to be a specific type of teacher, let's say Abby applies for, for preschool art teacher. And <laughs> she's going, no, because that's not her thing. And it would bring her absolutely no joy. And she would at the end of the day be frustrated, but she would still be going, yes, but I'm a teacher. And I want to be a teacher, but this, why am I so frustrated? Why is it not bringing me joy? Because she has chosen the wrong path of teaching or the, the wrong uh, section, the wrong a piece that she's supposed to be walking in concerning teaching. So it can become so specific that we can be living out our purpose to some degree but feel frustrated because we're still not walking out the specific cre- creative purpose that we're supposed to be walking out. You put her in numbers and math and she's she's just going crazy with it and I'm like mm. You go, Abby, you go. Because <laughs> it's not my thing. I would fall asleep after about 45 minutes of dealing, you know, half hour, 20 minutes, 15 minutes <laughs> with numbers. So you, you, God created each one of us differently. We all operate differently. We're not all the same. That's a beautiful thing. That's a good thing. Because if we all looked the same, if we all operated the same, we would be very robotic, and there would be too many of one good thing around. So... It's good that God created each of us differently, and there's different giftings in the body of Christ. We've talked about that before. But God put Adam in place to keep the garden, to keep it, it says. And, and that word keep, sometimes it gets translated, you know, it says that he was supposed to tend and keep or tend and care for it and, and uh, to watch over it. But that keep is a guarding. It's a watching over, a preserving to to stand guard and make sure that the enemy comes doesn't come in. And of course, we know what happens. You know, the enemy did end up coming in because he didn't fulfill that that piece, that one word right there that was so important. And even as I was thinking of this uh, this word this afternoon, to keep, to to have charge of, to preserve, to be, you know, uh, he gave us dominion. It says. That's what Adam was supposed to be doing. That was his position. And many times people have lost their position or they've lost their the, the role that they're supposed to have. In this case, it was dominion. He was supposed to be keeping, watching, having dominion. And what did he do? He gave that piece up. And it caused a lot of chaos that has been going on ever since. As a result, if we don't guard what it is that we're supposed to be doing, keep the the responsibility that we're supposed to have over the area of influence we're supposed to have, there'll be a lot of chaos. There'll be a, a lot of problems that come up. And so, you know, even as I was thinking of this word, keeping charge of or uh, having authority over, having dominion over, you know, God set that whole system up in everything that we see. Think about it. First, there's an individual person, and if you don't keep your own body, how are you going to keep a family? If you can't, uh, you know, work for yourself, get yourself out of bed, go, go to work, care for yourself, buy yourself food, take, take care of your own self. You know, that's what our job as parents, when we raise our kids, what do we do? We're raising them to grow up and to take care of themselves and then not only be uh, uh, somebody that can take care of themselves, but then be an active contributor to society because that's what God actually designed us to do, to be a contributor to to society, to actually uh, be pour, pouring in, giving into, and, and using your giftings in the community that God has placed you in. Take that a step further. He gives us a family. As we have a family, then we're to be responsible for that. 
You know, each family is responsible for their own family. And, and this gets so messed up, and this is why the, there's so many problems, because we lose sight uh, of, of this design in this system. Go up even further from, from the family, and, and you have, you look at the church family. You know, the church family, you know, we've talked a little bit just about how we can't take care of, uh, you know, this small church can't take care of the whole world right? We can't solve every problem there is. But that's why God gives us a church family so that those that are plugged into a church, then they're taking care of one another. Now, there's a lot of times people uh, want to, to go to the church and say, you need to give, to, you, you know, whatever to me. You need to pay this. You need to give me this. You need to take care of that. And they're not plugged in whatsoever, you know, but because God designed you to be part of a family, to be part of a, a, an organizational structure where God is the head, but the family is working together. And I remember a lady one time, and it was, it was actually very sad. It was a sad case. We had stopped and seen her after her father and her uh, child, her adult child had passed away. And it, it was just within a couple of weeks of, of each other. And it was, it was sad because no one had really stopped and, and checked on her. But the thing that we also knew was this lady had, had just kind of church hopped and jumped around. And one of, her, one of the things that she said was, Nobody has stopped and seen me. No one has, has cared. Nobody has checked on me. Now, obviously, this is a, a moment in time I'm not going <laughs> to be truthful and honest with her because this is, this is one of the, probably the saddest point of her whole life. You know, she, she's lost people that's close. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, nobody is actually res feels responsible because they don't know where you're at. They think that you're plugged in somewhere else. They don't know what's going on with your life because you haven't connected. You know, if you're here and then you're over there and then you're over at this place, you're not connected in with the family. And so anyway, you know, you have, you have the family. You, have, uh, you even have businesses. You know, businesses are, take care of their own employees, take care of their own, uh, their own um, um, bills. Why would that be a difficult word to say? to think of bills, their, responsi their responsibilities. You don't go to, uh, you know, up here to Busy Beaver and, and find them paying for Walmart's utility bills, you know, because Walmart's going to pay for their own utility bills. Busy Beaver pays for theirs. The church takes care of the people in the church. The state functions as a state. You go even bigger than that, you have nations that take care of their, their own nation. So God created these systems for a reason. And I know that sounds so basic, but at the same time, if that gets messed up, you begin to take on a lot of things that aren't supposed to be yours. And next thing you know, you're, you're taken out of your purpose. Because you've taken on things that weren't necessarily supposed to be your kuleana, as the Hawaiians say. It's supposed to be your responsibility. It's supposed to be uh, yours to take on. Because it got sucked out of you and it got, uh, you got distracted from your purpose. And so that's why that understanding that is important. Now, Adam was in the position of guarding. He didn't guard. Guess what? The enemy comes in and deceived Eve. And as a result, he lost his purpose. He lost uh, from that point everything that he was supposed to be doing. And it, but the thing is, God gave them four distinctive things right in the very beginning that they were supposed to do. That gets carried on through scripture because we see, uh, just like I read in, in verse 28 of chapter one, it says, be fruitful and multiply and then it says to uh, fill the earth and subdue it. Fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Well, that same thing gets told to Noah. When the, when the earth gets wiped clean in chapter 9, guess what? Noah gets off the ark. God says the same thing to him. The only difference is he didn't say subdue it. 
Why? Because sin was on the earth and the enemy reigned at this point. Jesus Christ hadn't yet gone to the cross to give us the, the keys back of power. So he couldn't necessarily uh, subdue uh, the, the spiritual realm. But God was giving him the, the very same instruction again to fill the earth, to multiply again. And then, of course, we see throughout, throughout Genesis, you see Abraham, the same thing, the same instruction. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and multiply him. He says it to Isaac in, in chapter 26 of Genesis. He says it to Jacob in 35. He says it to Joseph in chapter 41. And he ends Genesis in chapter 47 telling the whole Israelite nation that they will acquire property and they were fruitful and they increased greatly in number. So to question whether or not God wants you to be fruitful increase greatly and and to have a productivity in your life he wants that that is his desire for you he doesn't desire you to be the bottom of the barrel he desires for you to be fruitful to increase and to uh, fill the fill the earth fill uh, whatever your responsibility is now Throughout life, throughout, throughout scripture, we see many different examples, just even the names that I, I mentioned. Many of them were fruitful, they increased, they filled, they, they replenished whatever it was that they were doing, but they didn't all have the same jobs, did they? They, they didn't all function in the same capacity. You have Daniel, where was he? He was in the king's court. He was, he was actually part of a governing system over a nation. Joseph, same thing. He was second in command to Pharaoh. He wasn't, he wasn't out farming land. Now, his, his brothers were. David, he started out in the field but ended up as a king. So their purpose was not all the same. They each had their own purpose. But they had to discover that purpose themselves. It's not like the Bible is going to say, in, in uh, Genesis 41, chapter, chapter 41, verse 3, that Hylama is supposed to da 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 It's not going to have that. And I can't tell you what your purpose is. But it's something that's to be discovered by you because God has already put certain keys on the inside of you that determine who you are. That some of the natural things that are already built in on the inside of you, that they give you talent that you're good at, these are oftentimes keys that connect you to your destiny, to your future. And you were created to solve a problem. You were created, say that, say, I am created to solve a problem. No matter wh where you look in the Bible, pe God used people that solved problems. What, did, what problem did Joseph solve? Exactly. He solved a huge problem. He solved the problem of a famine. It didn't stop the famine from coming, but he knew that it, what was going on, and he knew how to uh, administer a solution to that problem because God gave him an answer. And God gave him the interpretation to dreams, which opened up. It was a gifting he had, which opened up a door to him, and it took him straight from jail, straight from prison, right up into second in command in a day. God gives us things. You are a problem solver. You need to begin to see yourself as a problem solver. Daniel solved a problem also for, for the kings that he was under. He solved many problems for them. You know, Esther solved a problem for her nation. You know, the Jews could have been annihilated, but she solved a problem for her nation. David solved a problem when he took out Goliath. He, this guy was, was an enemy that tore tormented him, but he took him out and solved a problem and continued to solve a problem throughout his reign, taking the Philistines out instead of them being a, a torment to, to Israel. So cre you are created to solve a problem, and guess what? That takes faith. That takes faith. Every problem takes faith to solve because it's not going to be an easy solution every single time. When, when there is a problem facing you, I mean, think of it, even inventions, they're solving problems. 
People that invent something, they're solving a problem to, to, uh, of the world. They see this is an issue. This is, I think I could come up with something that would be easier. They solve a problem. And guess what? The faith that it took for them to begin to think that out and to begin to apply themselves to that. And then their faith that gets applied and they create a solution that gets exchanged for money. See, many times people are chasing money. They're chasing the, the dollar. They're chasing the, the paper thing that's in their pocket. They're chasing the, the money that, that they can just, uh, you know, it's in their bank account. But the thing is, they're not necessarily solving a problem. They're working for someone else that's solving a problem. But God wants you to solve a problem. I mean, you, and don't complicate this because you could, you could babysit and solve someone's problem. Understand? Like, it's, it's not a, always about inventing something. It's not about, you know, everybody in here going and, and trying to apply for a patent for something. <laughs> it's not about that. It's, it's about what has God put in me? What comes out of me? What gives me passion? What gives me purpose? What, what, what stirs up my emotions? You know, what do I feel passionate about? What makes me angry? Like that I want, I want social justice to, or I get frustrated when this happens and I feel like, man, somebody needs to do something about this. What stirs in you? Because many times these are the things that point you to your purpose. What is it that I get excited about? What can I talk about for hours? And, and people can't get me to shut up and they say I talk way too much about it. Or you talk about it and you realize that they've lost interest. <laughs> <laughs> but you could just still keep going. <laughs> that oftentimes is, is part of your purpose. And it can, it can, because it excites you. It's like a natural engine in you. It, it propels you towards something. So when God says to be fruitful, he wants you to produce and, of course, we've been talking about seed, right? On, on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about how the word of God is seed. Well, think of it the other, day, the other way. Think of it as you planting seed and becoming fruitful in what you do. You, you plant that seed, and it begins to come up. And, and now, yeah, one plant, but what does it do? It produces more, which has seeds. So now you've become fruitful, and now you're going to multiply. That's that second, that second piece to that. Be fruitful, to bring forth fruit, to create, to birth something, to bring something about. You know, God births things in our spirits. He births things inside of us. That's what gives us the desire to do something. It's what gives us the passion to do something. And like I said, many, many people are chasing the dollar, but they should be chasing their purpose. They should be chasing the gifting or the purpose that God has given them because that will be the thing that opens the doors. But you have to understand you have to give yourself time to become great at that. Because it's not like just because one time, you know, I even look at, look at owning a daycare center for almost 10 years and, and the, the years that I spent in childcare and the nursery and in, in church and uh, doing children's ministry and how many years I spent with kids. Day one, I was nowhere near figuring any of that out. Day one, when I was 13 years old and starting to watch kids, I didn't know those, I didn't know half of what I knew later on. It took years to understand and then to learn techniques and then to learn uh, how to, how to uh, I don't want to say discipline because, you know, in childcare you can't really discipline someone else's child. You know, you can't spank them. You can't. Now, there were many times I took my own kids in the office and spanked them. <laughs> yeah, Zane says. <laughs> there were times that I had to remove them from the center to discipline them because I, I knew that I wanted certain things in their life. But you can't do that with someone else's kid. So you had to learn how to redirect and, and put emphasis on, on certain things to get them to, to make the right decision. 
And so those things came with practice. It came with constant consistency, being around that day after day. Well, what were those things? Those were seeds getting planted on the inside of me. I was learning how to be a, a good child care director, child care teacher, uh, preschool teacher, whatever position, uh, children, uh, children's pastor, whatever position I was doing, I was learning through that day by day by day by day. And as I learned, then it was more seed, more seed, more seed that began to uh, be fruitful. So then if I had to have a classroom of, of 25 kids, I'm not saying it wasn't challenging. It was challenging. But if I did have a classroom of 25 kids on my own, I could handle it. I, could, I was able to manage the classroom. Why? Only through years of being able to gain the experience. But if I would have hated kids and been, been in a position where I didn't even like that, well, then I would have been frustrated and I probably wouldn't have got much better at all. Because a lot of what God has put in you to do is already in there. But if you absolutely hate something, then it's not going to matter. If you have 20 years of experience, your love and your passion for it probably still isn't going to exist for it. So some things you're just wired to do. Some things just make sense to you, just like the math, like I said with Abby. It makes sense to her. She starts speaking Greek, and I don't know what she's saying. And it's not making sense to me, but it makes absolute sense to her. But that's the way she's wired. We're each wired in our own way. So those ideas, those things that we, we get better at, we get uh, uh, more creative with, because God doesn't want you. And I remember prophesying over you one time. And it was, it, it was your first year uh, back or whatever. I don't know. You was up at Morgantown Church. And, and I remember telling you, don't get boxed in to the system. Because I knew their system wasn't necessarily the answer. But what God was going to give you outside that box or outside that system was going to be a way that would open doors, not their system. Yes, you can learn technique from them. You can learn certain things from them. But the system itself was broken. God can do that in every person's life. He will give you creative ways on whatever you're geared to do, whatever your purpose is. He can give you creative ways that, that outshine the system that's in place now. Does that make sense? Begin to put that down as a prayer point. Begin to pray that God shows you solutions even on your job site. I don't care if you own the place or if you're working for someone else. Just begin to practice it. God, give me a solution to my boss's problem. Whatever they're having a problem with, God, give me a Why? Because it brings you promotion and it brings you favor. And not only that, but you're practicing hearing from God. So your goal is to make a difference in society, to be fruitful, to cause growth. That seed that gets planted in you over the years, that's for a purpose. Now, obviously, like I said, if you're out, outside of your purpose and you hate, you know, that you spent 10 years in a certain field that you absolutely hate, then, then you, you know, reevaluate that, rethink that, and get, in, get to where you want to be. But, but don't waste the seed that's been planted in you. Even, even though we ended up in ministry and that's not where we spent our first 10 years doesn't mean that the seed that was planted in us concerning administration and, and understanding, uh, you know, for-profit businesses and, and he understands nonprofit businesses, those were seeds planted that we can use today. So be fruitful. In fact, John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, this is Jesus speaking, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He has appointed us to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then, this is interesting, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. It's like we've got to find our will. We've got to find our purpose. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Because when you're living out your purpose in him and you're in his will and you're being obedient, 
then it's like there's going to be a, a, a natural, like I said, that natural engine, that natural drive that propels what you're doing. It's not like you hate getting up to do what, what you're, you're called to do because it's in you. You want to do it. And when you're, when you're in that joy and in that realm, and it's just like, and joy opens up the voice, being of, the voice of God being able to, to hit your spirit, to be able to speak to you. When Zane was younger, he didn't like math either. He got that from me. <laughs> but he would get frustrated with, with math assignments because it wasn't something that was, that was natural to him. Now, Zephan, it was more natural to him. And he was like, this is fun. And, you know, he was like in third grade doing sixth grade math. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> he was catching up to Zane. But <laughs> I'm teasing you. But he would get frustrated with math. And as soon as he did, it was like everything locked up in his brain. And, and I would try to explain to him, Zane, as soon as you start getting frustrated, you're going to have to learn how to put it down and, and walk away or just, uh, you know, go to something else for a little bit. Because as soon as the, you hit that frustration, it's like everything locks up. And I'm sure, I'm sure it has something to do with chemicals being released in, in your brain and, and, you know, the chemical reaction that happens. But, and I don't know what, it, what it's all called at the moment, but I do know that frustration will keep you in a place where answers don't come. And it's like God operates through joy. It's like God operates through peace and through love. So when you love what you're doing and you're enjoying what you're doing, it's like you're just going to be in this flow of answers coming to you, of new creative ideas coming into that area that you absolutely love to do. And then you begin to shine in what it is that God is showing you. And, and, and it's like it's just coming out of you. And God begins to open doors because you're beginning to shine in that area. Because why? You're becoming excellent in it now. That's why you stay in it, stay in it, stay in it. And don't... Don't grow uh, weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in, in, man, I just feel like I'm doing this over and over and over, but I don't feel like the doors are opening. Continue to do it because those are the times when God is also weeding out some stuff because he's got to grow that character. He's got to grow that, that strength. He's got to grow that knowledge and that wisdom in you for, for those things. Because if you, let me read a verse to you. Turn over to, um, hold on, let me find it because I wrote it down. Exodus, turn over to Exodus, Exodus Man, that whole, that whole passage is just good. Okay, anyway, verse 29. Um, this, is, this is when he said that he was bringing them into their land of promise, into their promised land. And he says, but I will not drive them out in a single year, referring to their enemies. All of these enemies that already possessed the land, they were living in the land. And God says, I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. God increases us in stages. He was saying here, I can't give you the whole land all at once. It would be too much for you to handle. It would be too much for you to bear. You would have, have too much responsibility on your shoulders. You wouldn't have the knowledge. You wouldn't have the power or the strength. So he says, I'm going to give it to you little by little, little by little. And as time goes on, you're going to increase more and more. And you will kick them out one by one, little by little. You're going to kick each one of these nations out. Now, don't let them exist. Don't, don't befriend them. Don't make treaties with them because they'll become the very thorn 
that ends up hurting you later on. And of course, they did end up doing that quite a few times. But God was saying, little by little, little by little, I will, I will make you possess the land. I will give you the land. But he says, we have to gain the knowledge. We have to gain that strength. We have to gain that wisdom. We have to gain the character. Because if we don't, then it will be too much for us to hold. And then guess what? Let me give you an example. Because if we, if we, if we take it on too soon, and we don't have the character, we don't have the knowledge, or we don't have the strength to hold it, it can completely wipe it out of our future. Because if we, if we fall because of a character problem, that very thing that we're dreaming for may never happen. Because we just ruined that for, for years to come. There are many ministers today that they, they got to a point they were doing amazing things, amazing things for the Lord. But then they got to a point where they started taking holiness not very seriously. And they would allow themselves to, to stumble because of infidelity, because of uh, uh, sleeping around, because they allowed alcohol into their life, and it, and it ended up, you know, it just takes one moment. It was like what we talked about a little bit ago with our, our lead team whenever we, I, no I didn't talk about that okay that's next week sorry but it takes years to reach a certain point but it takes only one moment in time for you to fall from that point and if that's the case then you ruin your whole reputation and you ruin everything of where you were trying to set yourself up for so that's why God says, you, we, I have to give it little by little because I have to strengthen your muscles. If I came up to you right now and said, here, lift this 400-pound this uh, barbell and, and over your head, and you wouldn't be able to do it. You haven't been exercising at all, and, and you know, th there's, I would be like, yeah, give me 20 pounds. I don't know. You know, is, four, is 400 even, is that even possible? No. See, that's how much I know about <laughs> lifting weights. <laughs> Nobody's ever done that? No, this. Okay. I thought. I thought maybe. Okay. <laughs> but too much at once will overwhelm us, and it will actually end up hurting us. So God wants us to, to develop the character. You know, there, there can be things in our life, you know, that's if greed enters in, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're going after that instead of going after our purpose and going after, uh, you know, when God says no to something, even though this looks like, oh, but look here, God, and he's saying no, and if we don't pass that test, you know, then it can block us from receiving what it is that, that we were trying to determine in our future, trying to strive after in our future. So God increases us in stages. So don't grow weary. Understand that I am being strengthened. Understand I am, I am, I am gaining the knowledge. I'm gaining the wisdom. I'm gaining the understanding through this. And the more that you realize that, the more that you'll look at these opportunities or these moments as, as passing. I'm just being strengthened right now. I'm just growing right now. I'm just learning right now. I'm, I'm stretching my faith. I'm stretching my my growth i'm stretching where where my vision lies you know i'm i'm building up these muscles so i can carry a, a heavier load a greater vision a bigger a bigger future so as that happens god increases us in stages and of course we're multiplying you know we're working on that multiplication we're working on increasing and then he says to feel feel so that's like now we've worked on multiplying. Now we want to feel. He told, he told Adam, feel the earth. Because the Garden of Eden was only in a small area. I mean, it wasn't small, small, but you get what I'm saying. It wasn't the whole earth. It was just a portion of land. But he was saying, here, I've set you two here. I've made you in my image. You guys are created to, to watch this garden, to keep it, to work it, to serve it. And then I want you to multiply it. Then I want you to grow it, increase it, make it bigger. And I want you to fill the whole earth. God was actually, when I got this revelation a few years back, I was like, wow, 
that just is awesome because God's God's desire was actually for us to rule the whole earth and it to all be a garden of Eden. And we were to rule and reign on this earth. That's what his desire was. And even now, he still wants us to rule and reign. So what what you what area he has given you, the things that he's given to you, you're to rule and reign. You're to rule and reign over your life. That means you've got to discipline yourself. We talked about that the other day at church. Uh, discipline your life, self-control, you know, making sure that you're not allowing your flesh, your emotions, your, uh, you know, all of these things dictate your life and jerk you around. You got to tell your flesh what you're doing. You got to tell your body what's going on. You got to tell your future what's going to happen. So all of these things, you, we have to have self-control over. Then we feel, we, we make complete, we make it bigger, and then it says subdue. Subdue. We have to reign over it because we can be growing but not managing, which has a lot to do with leadership, which is why we're going on over leadership uh, so much. We can grow but, but not manage. You know, there's been a lot of people we've seen in business. They have an amazing, I think, uh, Jeff talked about that. Did he talk about that on, on uh, the lead banquet night? Maybe he didn't. But there's a lot of people in business that can, they would like rock a, a certain thing. You know, they would rock a, a great cinnamon roll and be able to like sell that thing left and right. You know, Auntie Sandy rocks a banana bread. You know, she, she is amazing at that. There can be people in business, and I'm not saying that about her, but I'm, what I am saying is there can be someone that, that can really put things out and sell out day after day and be great at what they do, but they lose it all or they barely get by or they, they can't uh, get ahead because they don't know how to manage what they have. They don't know how to run the business. They don't know how to manage the employees. They don't know how to make the decisions that need to be made in order to manage the whole thing, to run the, the whole thing. So that's why leadership is so important. It's so, it's so instrumental in, in understanding how to rule over our homes and rule over what it is that God has given us. And so God says to subdue, to reign, to rule. And I'm not talking about, you know, getting the whip out. You know, you, you don't rule with a whip. That's why we, we've been talking so much about character. It's, it has everything to do with how we lead and how we manage. I don't want to get too far off track. Okay. So God increases us in stages. And the last thing that I want to make a point on is our level of increase is based on tests that we pass. Our level of increase will be based upon the tests that we pass. So as we're facing certain things in life, and we know, you know, I could probably, many of you may not know it, but God's working on you right now, and you may, not, you may be saying, well, God's not really speaking to me. I haven't really been hearing the Lord speak. But the thing is, you, I bet if I asked you, what's the Lord been convicting your spirit about doing more of or not doing something? And you would be able to tell me because it's going to feel like there's a thing, like a magnifying glass on your spirit where he's saying, you need to be, be, begin doing more of this or you need to be cutting this out of your life or you need to be working in this area. You need to be moving here. You need to be walking there. That's the Lord pressing something on your heart. That's him speaking to you. He doesn't, he doesn't get a microphone and speak like I'm speaking right now. He impresses on your spirit. He speaks to you spirit to spirit. So as he does that, he's showing you even now the things that he's wanting you to work on. We look at it as like, uh, yeah, it's just optional. <laughs> Like, honestly, don't we look at that sometimes? Eh, it's optional. Yeah, I know I need to be doing more of that, but you know. <laughs> but really, if we think about that, what if we start going, man, God's telling me to do this, and, and we start taking it a little bit more seriously? Because what if that's the test? What if that's the thing that's holding me back right now, and I'm, ha I'm sitting here going, when, Lord, when? And he's like, whenever you deal with this thing I keep pointing at, that's me too. I'm not, I'm not 
slapping your wrist. I'm, I'm just saying that's how it is for all of us, that we have to pay attention to what the Lord's telling us because he will test us. I didn't say tempt. I said test. There's a big difference between the two. But the Bible does talk about testing. In fact, in Isaiah 28, 16, Jesus was tested. It says, I lay in Zion a tested stone. Jesus was a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Why? Because he had to be a sure foundation to complete his assignment. If we're going to complete our assignment, we have to be a sure foundation. That means one that's solid. One that's sturdy, one that, that's not going to be moved, one that, that's unshakable. Like, I draw the line here, this is what I do, this is what I don't do. I draw the line here, I don't, I don't do this, but, it, but, you know, when God tells me to do this, I do this. Like, we're a sure foundation. He was a sure foundation, otherwise he would not have been able to be our redeemer. Because one wrong slip-up would have cost that assignment, and we would not be redeemed today. He had to be a sure foundation, or it would have canceled out his assignment. So we've got to be a sure foundation. We, we have to make sure our foundation is growing firmer and firmer in the Lord. In uh, 1 Timothy 3.10, it says, talking about ministers and deacons, it says they must first be tested if there is nothing against them then let them serve as deacons. And people might say, well, that's harsh. Yeah, aren't, shouldn't deacons be voted in by popular vote? <laughs> you know, shouldn't the church vote them in by popular, whoever everybody likes the best? <laughs> no. It says that they should be, and of course our, our church here isn't set up that way. We're a, a global church, so it's a little bit different. But a deacon was a server. So if you think of it in that capacity, people that serve, people that minister, there's a different standard. He says they should be tested. What does that mean? That means you watch people. You watch how they handle. Now, you could know somebody for, for th three months and say, oh, they're a sweet little thing. They, they, God bless them. They just do... Uh, so many nice things and and there's just always so nice and da, da 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 but when is really truly the real testing when there's a challenge and when it would be easier to do this but they chose the right thing they chose what god would have them to do that's the testing when you start seeing them make the hard choice the hard decision in the face of of a, a difficult time and you know it would have been easy for them to do this but they didn't and they chose the right thing to do that's a testing that's a testing those are the moments that you know what only god sometimes knows because there are times we're tested and we're all alone we're by ourselves. We're, we're, we have no one around us. Or it's in our mind. Something comes to us to do this. And we choose not to. And we say, no, I am not doing that. And we choose the opposite. That is a testing. God sees that. Well, you might think, yeah, but then how do, how do I get my promotion from that if nobody sees? Because God sees. And he'll lay on people's hearts. I've been in services where, you know, somebody's sitting clear in the back and boom, God will highlight them and the preacher will call them out. Why? Because God has seen what they've been doing. He has seen them during their prayer time. He has seen them be faithful. He has seen them make the right decisions. And, and, and out of a crowd, that spotlight, boom right there and, and God will will highlight them for promotion that's why we don't work for man that's why we don't only do things just when man is watching and when we understand that that God is the one that gives promotion then it, chi it changes things we we make the decisions for the right reasons because we know that God is our promoter not man The Lord even uh, in Revelation, Revelation 2.2, he actually praised the church of Ephesus for testing those who, who claimed to be apostles, but they were actually uh, false. They were false apostles. But he was praising them 
for testing them, for making sure that they, they were either true or false. And, of course, God tested Abraham in Genesis to see, does Abraham really, truly, really, truly love me? And does he really, truly give me everything in his life? And what did that do? When that testing happened, what did that do for Abraham? It opened up a door for a nation to be born. Isn't that pretty amazing? A nation today exists. The nation of Israel exists because of that one testing. And sometimes, you know, I wonder, how many times have we actually been tested and we didn't know it? But it, it either opened the door or it closed the door for us, whether or not we, we passed the test or didn't pass the test. But those testings, if, if we'll look at it in that light, we'll take them a lot more seriously. And we'll think, this, this could be a major testing, and I don't know. Because you ever go into class and the teacher says, okay, you got a pop quiz today? <laughs> and you didn't study it all because it's a pop quiz and nobody said anything about it. And you're like, oh, man. You know, and you get the paper and you knew like three out of 20, you know. <laughs> it's a pop quiz. You, you didn't pay attention to class or you didn't get notes off somebody or whatever it was. You didn't pass the test. Because <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> well, when we're prepared or preparing ourselves, when those times come and that testing comes, we can pass the test. And if we realize, like, this could be a test and God is watching me, I want to pass the test. All of these things, all of these things that have to do with our purpose, they are for his glory. It's not, it's not just us. It's not, yes, he wants to bless us, but in the end, you know why it is? It's for his glory. Because the closer you will walk with God, and the more intimately you will walk with him, and, and the more character that gets instilled, and the more likeness you resemble him, the more you glorify him, and the more he manifests out of your life, and the more he shines through you. As a result, He's able to use you at a greater level. You become like that, that vessel that, that uh, uh, Timothy talks about when he, when he says, you know, there are some, some utensils that are just casual, you know, you use for every day, and then there's the utensils that you only pull out for the, the good times, the important moments, and, and you become like the vessels of gold and silver. But he says in Isaiah, he says, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. For my glory. We are to resemble who he is. It's just like the, the moon reflects the sun. The moon does not have its own light. That's why sometimes it looks like a half moon or a quarter moon. Because it only reflects the sun. And sometimes the earth gets in the way. And, and so it's blocking part of that. But we're to reflect Jesus like that. We're to shine him. We're to shine who he is. <coughs> 